Hello and welcome to The Breakdown with Orla Shinaway. And Greg Rutherford. Hey, I'm giving myself a bigger one this time. Here we are. Oh, if you're only I listen- arms open. <laughs> if you're only listening in the podcast, I wish you could see what Greg just did. A full <laughs> lean back into the chair, arms wide open, welcoming himself to the now, podcast. Now welcoming everybody else to me, not you, to me. <laughs> Welcoming everybody to you, because that doesn't sound less weird. <laughs> anyway, welcome to The Breakdown, the podcast from your sport and discovery, which of course you know because you've clicked on it. Um, our guest today is someone a little bit different. And we wanted to go different because so far we have spoken to elite athletes only. But as a non-elite athlete, you may have noticed, I'm really interested in how... Essentially, we use sport in all walks of life or the discipline of sport or the lessons that we learn from sport to make ourselves better in any way whatsoever or to deal with hard things that you go through, difficult things that you go through. And I feel like those are the kinds of lessons that we can learn from all kinds of people. So we've opened it up a little bit to other well-known people, other celebrities. And our first non-elite sporting guest is a dear friend of yours, so I'm going to let you introduce him. Yeah, so we brought on a certain Robert Rinder, who is known as Judge Rinder to a lot of people who watch daytime TV or have seen him on different shows, listened to him speak. A really inspirational person. And actually, when you start to understand some of his sporting ability, you sort of think, actually, you're not too far off of mm. elite sportsman anyway. Um, he is an utterly fascinating person. One of the most intelligent people I've ever spoken to or met in my life. Second to you, of course. <laughs> and he really does have these incredible stories, but a way of telling them, which I think had us hooked the entire journey. That's what it was on this chat. Mm. It was it was a journey for both of us, I think. And I'd also like to add, he's such a lovely person that he's now become your friend as well, which, <laughs> which I know you're thrilled about. How happy you are again as well. It really, he is one of those people that when you have a conversation with it, you just want to have more conversations with him. And I now know that's what you're doing. Rob will be listening to this and he'll be thinking, uh, no, we're not friends. I'm just being polite. He's already WhatsApped me to arrange what we are jokingly calling our third date. Um, our first date was before we started recording the podcast. And I felt like he was putting me to the test, like you say, about his intelligence. He's fiercely intelligent. Mm. His opening words to me were, I was wearing a lime green corduroy um, jumpsuit and his opening words for every bit of you screams microaggression to a male to a gay man I thought wow how do I respond to that and you sat back as we <coughs> sparred I guess for the next half an hour and I knew he was sort of testing me but I enjoyed it I love a challenge anyway and I thought I'm going to pass this I'm going to get into your good books um, so that was our first date the second date was the podcast we've arranged a third date in Paris I didn't tell you it's in Paris we're going reading and shopping in Paris Perfect. is the plan uh, but he was absolutely just amazing as a guest actually um, and and the stories that he told as you say had us gripped and I hope the listeners will take something from it as well here is the breakdown with Rob Rinder. Rob, thank you for joining us for our <laughs> podcast in Central London. We're all, we're all sort of laughing nervously because we've had a very deep and meaningful philosophical discussion really before we started recording haven't we well I feel like we've already been on our first date <laughs> <laughs> has it gone well are we going on a second we are oh, but good. Then it's like I'm now, relieved now it's a difficult second date we've it's not going to live up to the first we've one we've run out of conversation I feel like we've only scratched the surface to be honest I haven't spoken in the last two hours I know which is why the first date went so well <laughs> second date we've got this hanger on <laughs> I know but I'm sorry uh, well I think as well, obviously we have to say the podcast is predominantly about sport, mm. isn't it? And, mm-hmm. and Rob, of course, you're not known as being a professional sportsman, of course, no. but sport has played a part in your life, um, mm. certain sports that you love and things that you do for yourself is also about. So that's why we thought we'd come. Of course, as well, you're one of my very close friends. Mm-hmm. Um, Godfather to my middle son Rex, and just quite important in my life. So, Which is why you sat back and allowed us to have our first date. Abs- well, it's always really interesting whenever. I love I love watching Rob talk, and that sounds really. Mm-hmm. I, I I I probably try and surround myself with really intelligent people. By you all, um, <laughs> I know I know that I'm I'm not hugely intelligent, not not in the way that a lot of others are. But I love listening to people that are because you you get a really interesting view on the world. As I've just listened to you guys have this incredible conversation. You see, even though you're trying to insult me now that the podcast has started, you did say to me a moment ago, whenever Rob went off to the toilet, he said, "You're going to be okay because you're quite clever." <laughs> if you weren't. 
that. Rob would annihilate you. you. <laughs> no, that's so not true. <laughs> no, Rob loves everybody. I, but I, no, yeah. I don't like incuriosity. That's okay. Yeah, that's my that's version different. of thickness is that. Yeah. Is, is yeah, sort of absolutely. Very, uh, you know, I'm not never interested in somebody's CV or yeah. how impressive they think they are. Or what they studied. Or... Right, because they've jumped through hoops. Anybody can do that. And to that sort of deliberate self-deprecation, looking for some sort of, sort of ego massage over there <laughs> in its magnificent redness. So glad saying, you spot that. Oh, yes, you know, because I'm so unintelligent. <laughs> All it needed was a Correct Princess me, cigarette to <laughs> punctuate it. As we sat there. Until we stayed silent. Right, deliberate silence. You know, right, I'm not a sportsman, but I did teach um, what's called forensics, but debating, and mm. spent quite a lot of time doing that with young people. You're one of the best natural speakers I've, I've ever heard. And also being... So you've caught, done it. Right. You've given him the... It's, not it's true. true. It's aggravate. I mean, it the aggravates a lot. Well, it aggravates a lot because it's actually, you know, it's, it's difficult to teach. But mm. when you watch someone like playing the piano naturally mm. with, that much, with that much talent, it can be... You know, delightful it's, if it's your friend, but also, you know, deeply aggrieving. I mean, what do I bring to the conversation? Oh, my goodness. Not what fashion? do you not bring to the conversation? We are going to get into all of this. I want to ask you, first of all, because whenever mm. we discussed bringing you onto the podcast, Greg was telling me about your initial sporting loves for a start, and, I, and I'm fascinated <laughs> by them. Yeah, Tell yeah. me, please. Well, you know, I was thinking about this before coming here, because like you say, it was an odd decision, I suppose. I mean, you know, I I just felt like I was window dressing between your sort of more interesting guests. (laughs) No, you're fishing. (laughs) No, but sort of people going through thinking, what? (laughs) What's what's he doing here? I told you before, I like like random. I think it's a little bit of a random. Well, this is right. um, My sporting interests, I think, were located oppositionally from the kind of buffet of sporting activity that was available to me as a child. Right. So sort of my my family, my brother and my dad had football as the kind of more than religious. It was absolutely the kind of spiritual epicenter of our house. Tottenham Hotspur Football Club was mm. precisely that. And I found the whole thing completely alienating for all sorts of reasons. Mm. Three chief ones. I mean, first of all, the stadium was dirty and noisy. <laughs> and um, secondly, um, it was a team sport. Mm-hmm. Which I couldn't possibly understand. It sort Why? of in, interfered with my early sort of, you know, feelings that you know, too many participants were able to claim the glory, really. <laughs> it just struck me. I just didn't do well in that sort of a participation and cooperation. That's, that's, that's fascinating. fascinating. Yeah, that's because that's where I struggled with team sports. That's why I were just go. not honest you about it. You didn't want it. to share the glory. Well, no, it's not just that. No, it, what used to frustrate the hell out of me, it, it, playing football in particular, is that you can have a really good game, but then somebody else makes a mistake and you lose. And as uh-huh. a child, as a, a, early teen, whatever else, I couldn't comprehend that. Why would you mm. make that mistake? And obviously yeah, now you, you'll true, fully appreciate it. as you get older and you, you, your brain grows a little bit. But at that time, I could not deal with it. I couldn't deal with other people losing on my behalf. <laughs> See, this oh. is where we're so different. I hated team sport because I didn't want to be the person letting other people down. Mm. That pressure on me, I find just paralyzing, which is why I went into athletics, because I love being able to just rely on myself. I find that very liberating. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hear and acknowledge both of those things. And certainly they were, yours was more accurate. I would, I've been <laughs> concerned about letting people down because mm. it was my third point, which was I just wasn't very good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't care, you know. <laughs> and and you know, there they were um, talking about Tottenham. And still now, I mean, my dad has dementia, but in, so far as he's able to remember things, very young, it's sad. He... Um, Tottenham is absolutely the prism, the language, the currency, which... They can communicate, and I, as I've got older, looking back, and now found appreciate found an appreciation for it. I realise just how magically vital it is, especially in a house of well, for, in that relationship, for them to be able to have that with each other. Now, my nephews are very, very good, and uh, probably about to be professional footballers. Um, you know, things are problematic in your relationship. Tottenham Hotspur, mm. you know, uh, work is difficult, Tottenham Hotspur. Um, the markets are down, Tottenham Hotspur. Isn't that the beauty of sport in it a is, way, yeah. though? It, it, it is, but that gift that being connected to a team has adds another level of emotional complexion that you tie yourself to the ups and downs, mm-hmm. the drama. Yeah. And the story of that, of, that, uh, of that team, I really understand that for them. 
but I didn't necessarily need that, you mm. know. I was sort of some weird foundling who sort of found literature and just thought to myself, well, I don't really understand it. I mean, I've told this story before, but it's true. But they used to have panini football stickers, mm -hmm. you know, collect them in teams. And I could never really understand that. So I used to collect them in order of attractiveness. And I, could only <laughs> mean, I had a whole... So we've, got, we've got a lot of similarities, really. <laughs> well. yeah. Did you have a whole panini football sticker book of, of Jan Mulby? <laughs> Jan Mulvey, that's niche, for isn't Liverpool. it? So can I, can I jump from Jan Mulvey to figure skating and yeah. to women's gymnastics? Because that's what you uh, understand from Greg, at least. Did passions. develop a passion for. Real passions, yeah. But specifically women's gymnastics as well. Now, now because I understand it more and I was more interested. Well, actually, I think there's a real specific reason for that. So um, at school, uh, the first sport that I took part in, in any seriousness, was gymnastics. Oh. I actually got a really funny photo. I found it the other day of me and... Osage School um, gym team. I was the only boy. It's me in the middle of the bars. You know what school had the bars? Yeah. Quite a bit four, actually. It's quite odd now. But the bars that used to go against the wall yeah. and you'd pull them out. Yeah, I remember them oh, well. Yeah. 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 yeah, the bars. And there was like a hoop, Climb up a, a fixed hoop mm -hmm. in there as well. Yeah. yeah. So um, then we had badges and you'd go down to bagger one. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. And I did like bagger one within like a week. I was really and into this stuff. What, what could you do and what did you have to be able to perform for that? Splits or yeah, yeah, handstands? Um, Left um, leg or right leg splits or I middle? could do both and box oh, splits. Really? And yeah, a round off back flip somersault wow. and vault and a um, group dance to uh, Diana Ross's Chain Reaction. Which oh, wonderful. For. How many were in the group? There were, were several. I can name them all, which is can really so, yeah. Sarah Dennis, I hope you're doing well. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember the whole thing. Um, and so I was really into that. But you see, I was probably a little too old because I was about seven. And, you know, my family weren't then taking me to the gym club where you would have made the transfer, I suppose, to all of the... I mean, first of all, it wasn't a big national sport like it is now. Mm. Right, there was no Max Whitlock and so mm -hmm. on and so forth. No training or certainly nowhere near Southgate that anybody would have taken me seriously to go to gymnastics. I mean, it would have been, I suspect, like quite a Billy Elliot moment if that's what mm. I had. But they were perfectly happy to have enjoyed me taking part, I suppose. You know, it was sort of fun for them. Actually, I don't know, I've never asked them. Um, but you only did floor and vault. Mm -hmm. So I never graduated to the other apparatus, apparatus, whatever. Um, of, of men's gymnastics. So I stuck there and then I went to a men's boy secondary school, which was deeply unsuitable for me, where they only play rugby and things. Mm. Right. Couldn't understand that for a second. Um, I mean, I think I played a game. My brother was, you know, county and junior England for football and they gave me a ball when I arrived, put me in the 18 by genetic virtue. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't yes. catch it if I yeah, had glue this, on it. This does happen. So as well, I, I have an older brother who was the yeah. rugby star in the area, was trying it in Northampton Saints, yeah. all this sort of stuff. Exactly the same happened. Whereas he's double the width of me, yeah. far stronger. I then came into the school and straight away it was like, well, you play on the wing. And I just got battered. Absolutely mm. hammered by everybody. You're, you you're, said you're quite good at rugby in the end, though, no? Yeah. Well, I, I was quick, so I could run mm. around people. But yes. all they then would do run is away. load the wing up with three different three people. Mm. All of them would just get the ginger kid, and that's <laughs> all that happened. And the last time I ever played rugby, I, I had a broken hand, but I was still put into the team. Mm. And a player grabbed my hand. <sighs> And obviously on the opposite, so just to get it. And I walked off. I said, so, I've you know, enough. there's stories of people like not myself who have joined support groups and then, you know, inadvertently um, added unhelpful contributions. <laughs> that feels a lot like that. <laughs> <laughs> the idea that somehow um, your experience won an Olympic gold medal, double medal. Nothing in rugby, though. Trying to in rugby, right. rugby playing. It was like me. My sport was gymnastics and horse riding and figure skating. Arriving at school going, and then and Mr. Relton, wherever you are, going, eh, mate, blah, 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 blah. I was like, excuse me, what? <laughs> Something about hookers, or I have no idea. I was reading it. Back. And, uh, then, and then me playing this game with Wesley Smith. I remember the entire name of the <laughs> I was just thinking, God, God help anyone who's wronged you. I think you're not going to forget No, no, it. no. I just eviscerate them in fiction that I haven't written yet. <laughs> but, but no, no, I just, I, yeah. So, so, I, so gymnastics. And so because of that, over the years when gymnastics was on, I would be more interested in the women's apparatus because I did vault and them. floor. Mm. Um, and because I'm curatorial, which means I become 
um, I suppose the best way of describing it nowadays is going down um, rabbit holes on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But I become obsessive about mm-hmm. things and have to know it and understand it as far as I can. And so talk about deep dives. I did mm. some real deep dives. Um, on Greg. On Greg. Did Not just you? on Greg. No, being near him, watching him dance on Strictly <laughs> and the way in which uh, being competitive mm-hmm. um, interferes or is a, a, a fundamental part of your mental chemistry. I don't mean competitive in the way people say I'm very competitive. Mm-hmm. I've seen competitive people and I'm all a competitive like. person. <laughs> and you are. I'm talking about you guys. I'm talking about where it, where you are uh, competing for you ultimately achieve world-class status. But it requires something beyond the ordinary, beyond the normal, that is really akin, the closest thing I've seen to something other, a, a, a sort of obsession. You know, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a book about outliers. Mm-hmm. You, may, you may have read, right. Mm-hmm. And it's the most unusual thing. So in, in, in Greg's case, when we were doing Strictly, um, the only time I ever saw him happy, genuinely, <laughs> most of the time, I wasn't going to say you were happy. We had a nice time together. We did it's have a, a nice joy time to meet together. you. Yeah. But the time that you were your most alive was if he was like in the bottom two in the dance where I, this stage, <laughs> I couldn't watch. Challenged. He loves a challenge. It really was. And then fast forwarding, I went to watch Greg uh, eventually at the last thing you competed in at um, the Stratford uh, yeah, the stadium, Olympic yeah. Stadium. Mm-hmm. It was really moving. <clears throat> I was rubbish by that point. <laughs> it, was very it wasn't your best day. We were injured, but it wasn't that. Everyone had Greg faces and it was, a, it was, it was actually quite a profound thing to be at. But then I realized that um, the relationship, and it is a relationship that you have with this sport, with the obsession, with the winning, with this complex thread, I mean, this even more peculiar tapestry that world-class athletes, world-class winning athletes have, that to rid yourself of it almost feels like a species of grief mm. it, it, it's part of your dna mm. winning um and the need and the thirst and the hunger for it and the sense in which anything short of it is inexcusable mm. i've been around people like that. i don't have that do you not have it because I, mm. I find that absolutely fascinating as a, as it a depends on the thing i'm mentality. taking part in but i'm realistic no you asked about my running um i i, I was um I am competitive, but against myself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's only because I started really late. I, I, I did gymnastics, then mm. like no sport at all. Then I was practicing as a barrister. I was two years, a bit ahead of school, I suppose. And so I was practicing way too young. I was 21, wow. 22. You know, by the time I was 24, 25, I was doing murder trials and so on and so forth. And um, spent most of my time sort of eating. Mm. And there wasn't really time for that. So I, I put on a load of weight. And then just before I was 30, I decided I would sort of find a way, find a sport, or find, do something. That is quite late. It's hard to pick up a sport at that age, is it? No? Maybe. I mean, yeah, the answer is yeah, anything's hard, but it's easier. Because it's, it's muscle memory, literally. To be sure, it? but you can curate your life accordingly. Of course. It's not that hard to run. I'd always been sort of yeah. doing jogging. <laughs> Sort of, just walking faster. So we isn't kind it? of overstate that yeah, idea. Yeah, Although yeah. that must be really hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, uh, not hard. I guess maybe more unusual. People get into a rut with their lives, but not they? even that. A lot of people go for a jog. You've not only gone for a jog. You've then run very fast marathons. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So, 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 yeah. I, I started at the end of my twenties. I'd put on a lot of weight. There, there are some pictures which are. are Greg showed me a few. <laughs> yeah, I probably got some more actually. I'm just sort of unhappy with myself. And then I thought, well, what I'll do is I'll. I started training at a gym, and I'd hated going to the gym before. And I realised what mattered was marrying up my diet and the gym, but also making a, a sort of the gym um, a critical part of my day. It didn't have to become a routine for you then. Completely. Not something you would dip in and out of. Yeah, and and not negotiable. Right. You need to push yourself, do you? Completely. Mm -hmm. And I'm pushing against me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then so the running started and I entered a couple of marathons and I did a mountain marathon where I did about, my best time was about 256. In a mountain marathon. Well, what happened there was that wasn't intended. It's because, do you remember Transworld Sport? Do you remember Transworld Sport? I was on Transworld Sport. Were you? Yeah. 
as a conquer player. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember they used to have they used to crawling have that sort of, competition? They used to have all of that. Like you'd have some really sort of athlete whose life you'd never heard of. Yeah, in the I loved early stages. It. Yeah, it's amazing. It and then you'd have the great cheese roll. Yeah, 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 which is a wonderful. It's a really great, great show. Um, anyway, these people were there, right? And so I took off and I hadn't read the map with all of like the professional female because I just wanted to be on the telly. <laughs> and the next one, felt like an ordinary marathon, 10 miles in, I was doing all right. And it's all always important. Don't listen to what people tell you. Oh, when you do your first marathon, take it slow. Mm. Take it slow, you know, pace yourself. Bollocks. <laughs> Smash Push. it. Push yourself. Well, the other thing, if Running is all in well, your mind. Yeah, if you've been training well as well, surely there's no point training <laughs> well for something like a marathon than just taking it easy. Sure. The, 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 I've never done one though. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I say. Stupid amounts of like, you know, self emulating violence that people do by overthinking. <laughs> you can see, like, they start marathons, you can sort of see them praying. And, <laughs> and it's like, I mean, it's just the It's like the London marathon, which is just the most inexcusable bore of a thing to Why? do. Why? Well, because it's so deeply horrible. <laughs> I mean, I did the first one, which was fine. That was, I didn't train very much for that. No. What's my time for that? 3.12 or something. Wow. Um, you don't dress you, you up. You look at it. That's what, a rhino? What's wrong with I you? <laughs> back of a what do you mean? That was, was your question. <laughs> that was the question. What did you wear? Was I the back end <laughs> of it? <laughs> Because lots of people, that's that's the attraction of the London Marathon over other marathons sometimes. Obviously, you don't need to answer that anymore, Rob. I've got the answer. Yeah, I can, I the can, face does I'm say quite it. perceptive oh. like that. <laughs> so you find people at the start of marathons and they go, you can bet they're playing, praying to Yahweh. You know, they're like, they're all talking about technique. They're rubbing the Vaseline on their nipples. In all places. All of, and all of that stuff. You know, I mean, just pull yourself together. <laughs> That's the advice. That. So for, for anybody who's, pla who's listening, who's planning on running a marathon, the advice is just pull, pull yourself, yourself together. together. No, I don't mean that in a way which is crass or, you know, people feel vulnerable. I feel very strongly that people should be able to express that sort of thing, to be sure. Mm. But what I'm talking about is the asphyxiating danger of overthink. Yeah. Overthinking sport, forgetting the joy of it, and also listening to your inner demons, which will tell you, you know, okay, I've got to go slowly. I've got to overplan it, overthink it. The whole joy and the gift that running brings you is the capacity, limitless, I think, to switch your brain off, mm -hmm. um, but also to push yourself. And eventually what I have found, I'm sure it's not true for everybody, so you have to be careful about the weather and that sort of thing, is that eventually if you tell your body to do something, especially with running, it gets into the rhythm and it will carry yeah. on. Mm -hmm. and you don't want to listen to it too much unless the pain really arrives. Um, but with marathons, you know, I, I found that that's been a sort of successful strategy. Coming back to London, the problem with it is, is that you start in Woolwich, no offence, <laughs> and you pass Belmarsh, waving at my old clients, most of them do. <laughs> 30 years to life, so <laughs> greeting. And then you're running through Woolwich, and then all of a sudden you sort of arrive at Tower Bridge, which is your, like, yay moment. Mm. Oh God, this is this is nice and pleasant. That's half the marathon. Done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's half marathon point. Okay, good, good. We're running. We're so you know, ear judge rendered, join a sweet, carry on, hear the little go go. Is that the one you pissed on? No, fine. <laughs> Everything's good. And you're and it's fine. And I was really pushed. And then then you realise as these people are running in the other direction, the professionals by the stage, if you're mm. running about three ten or or, or two forty or whatever it is that sort of group, um, that they're they're now finished that little bit. Mm. And that little bit is 10 miles around the Isle of Dogs. <laughs> 10 miles around the Isle of Dogs. <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand. Where's London? <laughs> what happened to London? <laughs> it was just sort of... The Isle of Dogs has now been, you know, delightfully gentrified. Mm. And everybody there was charming and offering water and all of that sort of thing. But like, what? What? And then, then there's the last bit. The last bit is on the map, is on, you know, the mm, embankment of the map. That's the last bit. Yeah. The last the bit, bit of you a, want. It's a bit of a view. <laughs> <laughs> Only for, why did you finish it so quickly? Because the architecture was so disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end, and then the other thing I can't say, is the inauthentic way, you know, people are kissing the earth yeah, as if they've yeah. arrived in the Holy Land <laughs> or, you know, found the immutable truth of some otherwise hidden secret. <laughs> Best day of my life. <laughs> and... You feel desperately guilty unless you sort of join in with them mm. and feel conscripted into mm, mm, 
And I just sort of had nothing really. I mm. said, well, yes, I'm quite glad that was finished. But you mentioned something there, which obviously mm. I think is very interesting. Probably a lot of people use things like running for, which is to try and switch off the mind, or mm. in some people's cases, yeah. is to obviously think about things. From your point of view now, obviously the job that you had for a long time was mm. an incredibly stressful job mm. um, with some unbelievable, because some of the things you've told me over the years of cases mm. that you've worked on, people you've worked with, et cetera. Do you find or do you think that running has become something, and maybe obsession is the wrong word because you're not obsessed with it, but you want to push yourself mm -hmm. to try and maybe switch off that side of things to get away from, yeah. or want for better Well, not just that, but that. my mobile phone as well. Mm. I'm curious about the non-negotiable part of um, your exercise. Mm. And I wonder how much as well, it's a question of discipline and distraction or how much of it is, I, for example, would tend to maybe dip in and out of exercise more than have it every day. But I have anxiety and I've always had it. Mm -hmm. And I find that where exercise is really useful for me is when I, when I create muscle burn anywhere, when my mm -hmm. body hurts, there's no space for anything else in my head because all I've got is the pain and that, that's why I like the pain. Yeah, it's that. It's negative and positive. They're mm. neg I mean, it's complex, right? And we could pretend it's not, but it is. Um, there are negative and positive reasons. Mm. You know, um, I have a relationship with my body, which I want to, which is, which is like all men, especially now, you know, um, nuanced, you know, I, I don't like to feel overweight, even though I'm eating really badly at the moment. And I think that my relationship with food, as I've come to discover over the last few years, especially is irrevocably connected as it is with so many people with my emotional life in a way that I hadn't necessarily thought about till lockdown until now. Same with drinking. I don't drink during the day. And so for me, if I don't exercise every day, I somehow have not um, counted mm. the amount of food that I've, I've eaten. And that's been especially true at the moment. That's a negative reason to exercise. Not least because you'll never um, exercise your way into a good body mm. or to a healthy body if you're not eating well. That's the critical part of it, which I discovered when I first started exercise. But also it's negative. But for the positive reasons, exactly as you describe, yeah, it's true that my anxiety levels go down. That's um, without question. But it's about three things, right? One, having completed a solid hour, something difficult where I've sweated, it's done. Mm, achievement. It's something in a day of ephemeral stuff that's been done. It's, 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 it's somehow crossed off the list. Mm -hmm. and, and we, with our jobs, with most people's jobs, with most people's lives, there's never something in a day, in a month, in a week, which is actually complete. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But that you can do one hour and it's done. And I did my class and it's finished. You know, there's something um, really powerful in just being able to say that's finished and mm -hmm. drawing a line under it under the deck. The second thing is, and this is not sort of a, I use this language on purpose, a virtue signal. You talked about being anxious and et cetera. I also have to be really mindful of my privilege. You've got two kids, he's mm -hmm. got three and other calls on his time, right? Um, I'm able to do this because I can act wholly selfishly. I don't have mm. kids, right? Mm -hmm. So I can, like I did yesterday, look across the board of what the day is and go, well, I can do this exercise class. Because even though I may have work, I can usually consciously curate my day and find a space to do that class. And the third element of it is that, and this is really important, why I tend to do classes more than, say, running nowadays, is because my phone goes away. Mm. And the incalculable impact that having the phone has, and it's despite everything, no matter what you do, what discipline you apply, it's tempting capacity to be there present all the time so that you are available. I found, for example, when I joined a gym and then immediately unjoined it, that yeah, I might do a session there and I can do weights, but it would take twice as long and I'll do a interval training, let's say on uh, one of the settings on the treadmill. But I'm constantly looking at emails mm. or I'm on Twitter. Mm -hmm. All right, not wholly present just in the breath, mm -hmm. in sweating, in running, 
and above all else, and this is the most articulate expression is, I think, for those of us perhaps who aren't professional athletes, just being there mm-hmm. in the moment and present. And that's especially true of running. And its most magical expression of it happened when I got to do this comic relief thing, which was amazing. There was a sports relief thing that you did a few years yeah. ago, wasn't it? And you, it was a track across the desert, was it, as I recall? Yeah. Well, it was supposed to be a... I mean, he, he wanted to do it. I, was I, be, to, I, begged, to, I begged to go. They didn't it. let you do yeah, it. They couldn't let, it's, not, it's not supposed to be for sports people. <laughs> oh, I see, of course. You were going to win. Right. No, 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 whereas it was no supposed to be sort of an existential no, there was no, experience. There was no competition. Perhaps. No, 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 no. It wasn't that. It was just purely because I'd been a professional sportsman, so I was told I'm not allowed because it's not for anybody. And why did you want to do it? To push myself. One hundred percent. Actually, the actual original thing wouldn't have pushed you or me. The the thing that did happen would have done. To yeah. Be fair. I, I, but yeah. they can't. The whole thing would be like you know, people assume if you're if you've won an Olympic <clears throat> gold medal. Do you know what I mean? That a sport challenge that involves running isn't going to be desperately challenging for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Well, but they, it's fair. No, but this no, no no. But the big thing is, I think this is what the massive misconception that people have about people that participate in professional sport. Mm. Just because I was good at running a straight line, jumping into a sand pit. I'm not particularly good at endurance running. Yeah, but Greg, come on, name me a, a sport. Name me a sport that you're not exceptionally good at, and this this is said absolutely through gritted teeth because it is it is a source of constant annoyance to me. You're actually brilliant at most sports, right. so no, no, I, I was absolutely very annoying. I first, I can't bear it. <laughs> Not bear it. I've got a. If I've there was tiddlywinks, brother here, you'd have to win. <laughs> I would win. That's the annoying no, thing. No, but I. No, but I. We did shut a tele. Up, we up. did a tele quiz <laughs> yeah. of some description. I gave my undivided indifference to. <laughs> and it was only because I was like, it's, it's Mike Gregory. I was like, when he went off for a second, I just saw only for two <laughs> seconds. To be absolutely honest, I hate the expression "to be fair" because that's usually a prefix mm-hmm. before you call somebody's girlfriend desperately ugly. <laughs> For Such example, a, to be fair, <laughs> such a weird thing. I, so, to be fair, like, I wouldn't be saying if I were, if I weren't being fair. Right, that's yeah, yeah, as long as you're being fair, right? But um, to, to be, be fair, fair <laughs> I did only notice a flash for a second. But I felt when we did that, what was it called with the the things with the the uh, the pointless, pointless? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I've never seen it before. I know Ben. Well, he's also into his sport. Um, the tipping I, point. No, tipping point. Tipping point. Yeah. What did I it's call ben. it? You pointless. said pointless, which is another one. Oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> tipping point is the one with the... the it was mesmerising. Right, it was yeah, like being in South End when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like couldn't understand what arcade. was going yeah. on. The 2P machine. Yeah. 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 Not as bad as recently for charity, I did catchphrase. Oh, I love catchphrase. I was so terrible at it. Mr. Chips. No, Will, yours was brilliant. One of, one of the clips that I saw that came from that was just a genius response. I can't remember for the laugh. It'll be so I wasn't doing it, it for laughs. It was utterly <laughs> hilarious. So I don't, I don't do, but you know, my... I wanted to raise as much money as possible for a place where my dad lives. And, um, you know, obviously people think I've got sort of Judge Judy money. So why can't you just pay for it? Trust <laughs> me, that's America. It's not the same thing. So there's loads of money for charity. Like, Great. Yeah, sure. I'll show up and do that. Who cares? Um, and I do the cryptic crossword most days. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, how pretty quick. I was like, how difficult could this be? Well, <laughs> difficult, it turned out. And it's the only quiz. Well, this I've... is a tipping point. See, no, 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 no. Catchphrase. Oh, there's a catchphrase. It's the right. only quiz I've been on. Um, which I haven't sort of won because most of them are general knowledge questions. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, I was, and it was things like I thought things like narcissistic personality disorder, <laughs> and it turned out to be policeman, <laughs> or um, one of them was work shy, and I said because to me it looked like the woman was being hideously bullied at work, so I said um, constructive dismissal. <laughs> And poor, is it Stephen? Stephen Mulhern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just sort of looking at me. What is wrong with you? You got the mon. Yeah, or emotionally problematic parenting (laughs) was one of it. There was like a. You didn't say that as a catchphrase. Yes, (laughs) that's a phrase I would use. Emotionally problematic parenting. (laughs) That's what I would say. You clear. I mean, to be to be fair. Um, you did say that you've never watched it, so I can. Understand. No, I watched it was little. Oh right, okay. But I just missed the. Mm. I was like, <laughs> missed the what's point. going on? <laughs> anyway, we did one of these pointless things. Anyway, he was terrible. <laughs> And no, 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 hang on. In oh, my defense, in my defense, oh, I answered lots of questions correctly. That's true. The problem but, was every time the, the coin dropped, mm. 
But do you see? It got, uh, there's, there's always so what excuse. you can watch the trigger. Because here's the thing. <laughs> no, but we come back to our best of the best. You see, when he walked off, when Greg walked off, mm-hmm. it offended his spiritual <laughs> sense of winning. <laughs> then we are getting into therapy, and I'm aware that we're actually going to run out of time very quickly, Rob. Oh no, I'm going to talk about the therapy because one thing, because actually, talk about darkness and light. Mm. So um, this sports relief thing, mm-hmm. which I should talk about because it was the best sporting day of my life. And um, both amazing, but also mildly tragic because I've never been able to get back there. Um, and it, and, it, and it, it did send me into uh, a depression. And I mean that word on purpose. And I use that word specifically and would not unless I meant that word. Um, we were supposed to do this um, cold triathlon in Mongolia which was supposed to be the highest triathlon, sorry, the coldest triathlon in the world. We were going to do skating, cycling, and walking. Well, I mean, anybody could walk mm. one foot in front of the other unless you're, well, I'm sure we've got a list of people that we'd keep to ourselves who probably would moan at it. But, you know, as long as you're warm enough, mm. right? Um, so it was me and Nick Grimshaw <clears throat> and Christian Guru Murphy. And I mean, none of them had done any training of any mm. meaning. I think we showed up an ice skating rink. One of them had done a spinning class, perhaps, but it wasn't like <laughs> training or anything. But like I say, now at this point, I suppose for longer, yeah, for 15 years, more or less, I there's no way I'm not at least every single morning by half past nine, I will have burnt at least a thousand calories mm. doing some serious exercise. Right? So the, uh, COVID came, nobody quite knew what was going on, but they were about to shut down China and they were worried that that was going to affect Mongolia where this thing was going to take place, 100 miles across this frozen lake. So within a week, it being the BBC and Comic Relief and this big production company, they changed the whole thing and then became race to the wreck. I never read small print, right? And often the thing that frustrates me when really? I'm Really? Not for this sort of thing. It's a sport thing. Don't overthink it. We come back mm. to the marathon. You, you're unlikely to die. Mm. Train, run, don't overthink it. Mm. I see that all the time in like barriers or running, you know, people overthinking it. Mm. And if you just were to deceive yourself and pretend you're running like, um, you know, two miles an hour less than you actually were, you'd be fine. Mm. You can tell your body what's a really important relationship and one that we so little, um, although we're learning more, understand. But um, I thought, mm, this looked a bit ropey, so I should probably read what it, what it is. And it says something like, only 53 people have ever completed this. And I thought, mm, <laughs> it seems a bit dodgy. Also, we're going in the middle of summer to Namibia. Yeah. <clears throat> and we arrived there on this sort of, well, not sort of, it was a helicopter. And I was on that whole thing. It was me, Louise Minchin, and Nick Grimshaw, sort of working out in the event that the thing were to go horribly wrong how down the also dead list I'd be. <gasps> I always do that when I'm getting on a plane and I see somebody famous. I think I'll do never you? be remembered if this plane goes down. Imagine that <laughs> yeah, when yeah. you're on a, on a blooming, what's it called? One of those, um, what are they called? God, um, what's wrong with me? Ferries. Yes, ferry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> ferry. I was on one of them when it was like daytime TV going to get a national TV award. That was Gloria Honeyford. And oh, so goodness. So. I know. Did you rank yourself though? That's yeah, I thought I'd get around the same time as God forbid things went wrong as Colleen Nolan. Judge <laughs> 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 he never married. Would be, that would be that. Survived by right. nobody. nobody. Yeah. His flatulent dog. <laughs> <laughs> Who he's left everything to. <laughs> And Rex. And you Rex. left a painting to Rex. Rex has a painting. Anyway, yeah, so um, I thought, well, I should probably read this, right? And so we, we helicopter into this desert and it's cycling. It's 100 miles cycling and then two days of running and then the end is jazz hands and hair and makeup. <laughs> and it's supposed to be about mental health and so mm. on and so forth. Now, here's the thing. I am competitive, right? I didn't want to win it, but they said absolutely categorically you can go at your own pace. And it would have killed me mm. not to, right? Mm. And it was about 30 degrees. And the reason I went as fast as I did is because part of the reason sometimes some people ask me to do sporting things, certainly in the past, is because there are both um, subconscious and very conscious biases towards what I must be like. Mm-hmm. So I perhaps present in a rather camp way. People rather depressingly, even now, and it is a form of homophobia. Mm. It's not a particularly violent one but it's nevertheless one that people need to think about Mm. and be mindful of um, and change insofar as they possibly can is that um, I'm somehow going to be weaker 
or less able to cope with more challenging physical situations. So as we were preparing for the ice bath thing, I remember they invited me to get into the ice bath. And of course, you know, expecting John Inman, you know, are you being served on steroids? (laughs) Hands in the air screaming. Right. Well, of Mm. course, I sat down immediately and asked for a cigarette and a glass of wine. (laughs) (laughs) Because this is a very important thing in Mm. the sense of, you call it competitiveness, I call it F you. And I feel really strongly about that. So the first day was like 30 degrees on a bike and it looked like, First of all, I got to the first check at about nine o'clock did it quite quickly. It was tough. Let's say the hardest thing I've ever done, which is let's say the mountain marathon is like a, 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 a seven. This was already a seven. Mm. I thought this is really, really difficult. It's really, really hard. And I got to the first check fairly quickly. I thought people will manage this, but it's going to take them four times as long, but yeah. they'll get there before sunset. But the people behind me are going to struggle, especially the unfit ones. So it's probably a bit dangerous. I mm. thought not too bad. It then gets to about 32 degrees and there's the most perfect cycle path you've ever seen. Beguilingly long and straight, except it's on sand. I didn't realize. So there was just enough torque on the earth to allow the wheels to stay still, but not enough for them not to spin. So you could stay on it, but you could get to about four miles an hour, wow, 30 degrees. And, and that was for about six hours. And I, I finished it and they wanted their great big hero shot. You know, there's all like the cameras and I, cycling and blah 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 and you know everyone's sort of smiling at this stage because I've done it by one o'clock and they go have you got any first words you know what's your thing and I, I must find the rushes to this the cuts because my first reaction was well I do think you should know everybody's going to sue you <laughs> <laughs> and um this happened and we're well, not they didn't get sued but it from I was sitting there for about an hour having a beer you know chilling out waiting for people to come and then the whole complexion of the day changed as the walkie-talkies start communicating with each other and everybody's getting stressed. And mm. Nick Grimshaw very nearly died. Oh. And it was really a dumb thing to do. It was a really dangerous thing to do unless you'd been training, training for, yeah. for a long time. The last thing, this is what really where I wanted to get to, was that on day two I set off and this was running. And again, there's no mo- mobile phone. So it's like, what's the alchemy? What are the ingredients you need for the perfect day? What is running really about? And this is the purest that I reached philosophically, emotionally. You know, you, you, you understand perhaps, and this is certainly what I understood, you know, why do so many spiritual texts emerge from places of um, geographical privation which is a long word to describe as emptiness the answer is because it conscripts you inward and there's nothing more expressive than that than being in the desert in just that peculiar different yellowness of the desert and the sun and we were just running and I've got no sense of direction I once got lost in someone's walking wardrobe I was completely <laughs> disastrous but because I'm so useless they just give you this sort of watch I mean, even I, you know, the type of person who geographically stayed out an extra year to help Miss Grimes. <laughs> you know, we just had to follow the, um, the, the, the arrow. Mm. So there I was following the arrow. I still managed to go off, of course, by half a mile. <laughs> but I just ran for a day. And it was me running with two sticks. It's not quite running because you had those poles, which I tried to get in touch with Norris McGuerter after he's dead, it turns out. But he used to run the... Um, Guinness Book of Records. <laughs> Norris McGuire, bless him. And I thought that because I had a valid claim for a 27-mile mince. <laughs> Apparently not. Because <laughs> with the sticks, didn't. But I was, I was, I was, I was, I was running along, and it was about, it was sort of 30 degrees, and I did uh, no no mobile phone reception, but enough power, various things for me, just me water. You'd stop every 5k or whatever it was. It's a bit of water. I just carried on running. And the only thing I had was um, the sun, my breath, and music. And I had, uh, we'll talk about classical music, but I had the Mahler symphonies. Which I mean, people sometimes recoil from. I think Mahler, and they, but you know, as if somehow I pulled the guts of their own pretension. <laughs> but you don't need all of it, right? Just listen to the Adagio movement of the fifth. Mahler Symphony, and you'll understand. Don't matter whether you like classical music or not, even if you hate it, it'll change you. 
That, by the way, and a bunch of Dolly Parton and even some One Direction. Because <laughs> <laughs> there it was. <laughs> I was running along and um, about halfway through, really at a steady pace, wasn't seeking to do a time because the only race was finishing before sundown. You had to finish mm-hmm. before sundown. I was running along and um, there was a moment, a sweet spot, the sweetest of sweet spots, where I found myself completely in the moment. And it's the way that people have described what they've achieved perhaps in meditation, often met by me rolling my eyes and shrugging my shoulders. But it was real, where all I had was no past or future. I was just present and running and there. And... um, I found myself, which is not something I do, not because I denigrate it in any way. I think it's enormously important. And the fact that I was unable, as I'll explain what I did, to do this for so long represented just how disassociated perhaps I was from so many feelings and experiences and things. I found myself crying for 10 minutes uncontrollably, running. I was on a salt plane. And it was the most physically and spiritually beautiful moment of my life. Being in the moment, just in the breath, just in the presence of nothing, but breath and presence and the stillness of time. Um, And it was magical, magical and a real gift. And then, of course, what happened, and I use the word of course, is once you reach that, let's use perhaps a word which will connect and immediately goes into the, from the spiritual sublime to the sordid. But once you reach that kind of orgasmic moment, one of the challenges, of course, like any first, perhaps only time like that, is you wanting to seek that out again and again and again. And I'd never been able to refine refined it. And uh, we went immediately into lockdown. Um, and having had that, I came back with, we all got COVID immediately. I then spent a good, and have continued to spend, but certainly spent a good deal of time trying to recapture that in some way. And never have. And desperately wanting to. Um being just there, just present, just in the moment, just in the breath, nothing else matters. Um, And so part of the journey from that, as I was depressed again, I'd been depressed in the past, was to find out ways to get as close to getting back there as I possibly could. Um, And I've achieved a little bit, that and with the help of cold swimming, which has been amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so powerful. Incredibly powerful. Even getting that moment, I think, is something that so many people strive for. You mentioned meditation. That's the goal mm, of meditation I is to reach that. that state. I believe Paula you. loves it, by the way. I love it. I love that. I, I can recognize that, but I only get flashes of it and flashes of it. And as you say, it's this orgasmic state that you need to keep. You need to keep and you can't. But as soon as you're trying to grasp a hold of it, it goes away. And that's the tragedy of it, but it, but being able to achieve it ever, I think, is amazing. Well, I mean, you know, I'd had some tragedy when I was very young, and um, I hadn't cried pretty much properly since then. It was as if it was all gone. It was magic. I got mm. uh, through exercise. You know, the problem is to celebrate it, to know that it happened, rather than mm-hmm. to try and re curate or recapture it. I made the dreadful mistake of going with Gregory Rutherford. <laughs> Because I figured, well, I, well, what I should do in that little brief window. To be fair, this is, this is good friendship where people are so in tune with you. They know they're a little bit worried. He knew I was in a bit of an adir. And so I denounced and he thought I'd love to take a leave to my senses. I was going to go walking in the Lake District. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? So we booked ourselves into a rather sweet. <laughs> Lovely hotel, Lovely. family run hotel. It was very, very sweet. Um. Yeah, Do you know, it's really interesting, and obviously, I, I know we are really running out of time. Sorry. But talking about no, no, for me, because I, I don't want to add mm. my sort of sporting experiences as like a, a 
crass throw on the top of just going, oh yeah, but but it's really interesting from my point of view because those experiences, there's, there's obviously a moment in my life which was that moment, mm -hmm. of course, in a sporting sense, because I think a lot of people will probably have a desire to reach that external to sport, be that through, again, running or whatever else they're doing in life, to have that moment that you're talking about. For me, I obviously had that moment and that was at an Olympic Games. Now, what was really interesting from my point of view with it is that I instantly knew after the London Games that it would never be that mm -hmm. good again. Mm -hmm. And I knew that and I was very conscious that that, that was never going to be. I said to myself, though, if I could just get 10% mm -hmm. of that feeling, it would probably be enough for me. And I did. And obviously I searched for that and I was very lucky to then go and have success. But just by us having this conversation and things that we've joked about and laughed about, it it obviously helps me realize a little bit because this has at times turned into a therapy session mm. for me, I've realized. But you realize actually, possibly even though obviously from my point of view, my sporting career is gone, mm. which was where I could get that, those mm. feelings from, be it 10% or whatever it would be. Obviously what I do is that I search for it in a physical sense still because physically that's how I associate myself mm -hmm. with success. Mm. So then when I want to come on a challenge like running across the <laughs> desert with you, and I know I'd be rubbish at it, but I would push my, my body because my brain can do that. I can push my sure. body in ridiculous ways. I would do it still and it would be horrific. I'd get burnt, I'd be dehydrated, the whole thing. But I love that. Mm -hmm. And this is why as well for me, I search to, to challenge myself constantly to because that to, to try and reach that 10% of what mm. the ultimate moment was. But mm. the thing is that I obviously will say, for, and there'll be other people that maybe have reached that mm -hmm. incredible highlight you have as well, is that it, maybe it is impossible to get it again. It wasn't about, you know, obviously yours was a, an extraordinary... No, but each their own. I think we have to say that. But it's no, what no, I'm saying. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm not comparing it, safe to say. That it's no, but I'm not comparing mine it. either. That's what no, I mean. No, it's, it's just about... Although what we would both have difficult room for, and this is where you and I wouldn't get on on the sort of challenge, is that I've got no room for sort of complaining. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was, I mean, just moan too much. Well, no. I'm, yes. <laughs> when, um, we did, uh, so because when we did start running together as a little sweet group, I went with uh, a lovely boy called Karim. He was running, uh, uh, yeah, Karim. Um, and I thought, well, you come along with me, you know, on the first day. And um, we had Lou Minchin, who was brilliant. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, what a fierce. Louise, we have to mention as well, of course, is, uh, is an, an, an age British um, triathlete and things as well. And on the top news. Yeah, exactly. On, on, on day three of the uh, thing that we did, uh, showed one of the most heroic displays of physical, well, no, it was one of the most, most extraordinary physical uh, displays I've ever seen. She'd like day two, her leg was swollen. She's mega competitive. She yeah. didn't finish the day. She was really pissed off at herself. She started running off ahead of me. We had to go over these dunes every day. So I said, you run with me. And she, it was it was unbelievable. She had COVID at the time as well. And everybody knew. It, was, it, was, it, was, it was extraordinary. Um, but we, that the two of us, we were the oldest, started running with uh, Kareem. And of course, he just wanted to stop for a sandwich and <laughs> water. And, I, and, you know, water. you were supposed to be encouraging of that sort of thing. And that's the thing, I'd be terrible in the army. And we'd come back full circle mm. in that way where you're, you know, you said about team sports. Mm -hmm. As a, you know, if I'd had on day three, we all had to like cycle slowly and <laughs> along with each other in order to be. And yes, what I wanted people to do, I am absolutely champion anybody that, uh, that, as there were several people there who were challenging their fears or really going out just to complete the day. I to complete the day. I'm absolutely that human that will delight in their mm -hmm. success and be the person at the back of the ride forcing them to go on. If that's agreed, if that's part of what of course, we've agreed yeah. the day, is I am totally that person. However, if if, if that's not the situation, mm. I, I, you just need to, you know, carry on running. Otherwise, we'd all be speaking German. <laughs> no, that's just what I. You know, they kept cutting those things out. I would leave it in. <laughs> like what's, you don't need a sandwich. Run. <laughs> I do agree. I, I, I just I would agree absolutely. With that. Absolutely, or I mean. Lou and I, were, you know, I just don't complain. I want to hear it. No, but the difference is, I think, as well, isn't it, with, with regards to sports, if we put it in a sport context and, and something like yeah. that, if you've never had the ability mm. to push your body and brain to a place 
where I think brain it's, more than body. Well, yeah, but no, but but it, but it's your body being screaming at you to stop. Mm. But you're you, you're strong enough to override that mm. with with your brain. That's a really powerful thing that not many people have ever done. And often you find this is where where I think sportsmen and women are good at overcoming challenges, possibly because you're in a way forced to do that. Mm. Because if you're trying to become the best in the world at whatever event you're doing, whatever you, you sport, have to ignore all the signs that, telling you to exactly. stop. Exactly. Now, not mm. injury and whatever else. Mm. I mean, that's different. But your body and your brain in particular often wants you to stop. And having that ability, to, but you clearly have that ability, even though you weren't a professional sports person. So that's that's a fascinating tool that you've managed to acquire, yeah. where not money. And there'll, there'll be a lot of people listening going. You're mad. But I think Why a lot enough? of people listening will also understand it because I don't think you need to be a top athlete to have that. Abs- of course you don't. No, absolutely not. Just in you and can be your own worst enemy sometimes. But then I would. Well, I, you need to listen to yourself much but better. But only by switching off is my point. Mm. Yeah. It's not about the competitive aspect of it. No, of course. Exactly as we're sharing. So you, I, you, for you, that was included in the mm, algebra mm-hmm. of, of this course, magical of day. I mean, the mm-hmm. triumph, the zenith of the zenith, right? There, There is nothing. And, and I, what I'm glad about and privileged to hear Privilege is the wrong word, actually. Grateful is right. Grateful. I'm really grateful that um, you still include, you include that as that moment. Because mm. I think the tragedy, as there must be for a lot of people in serious professional sport, that get their gold medal, would be like a, an astronaut I was listening to the other day who was not the most obvious candidate for NASA, Fascinating listening to him and reading about him. Um, and he was obviously very honest as well. And he was asked what it was like the first time he looked out of the window from the space shuttle onto the Earth, which is supposed to be, as we would all project and assume, the most profound moment of any human being's life, the this sort of great thing he'd waited to see. And his answer was, nah. <laughs> <laughs> and which I thought was, 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 was really honest. And, but that is one of the things and one of the, the only regrets that I have and thinking about it now and maybe reflecting on certain events even that have happened today, saying no to things, for instance, um, is where really cool things are happening, perhaps amazing things, perhaps things I've worked for, and you may even achieve them, and you forget to delight in the moment. Mm. So I really genuinely love that whatever happens to you in life that moment perhaps i assume you're talking about winning your gold medal on that day you know day in history really certainly in british sport in international sport for you and for for others who have memories of that day which are not even about you Mm. that that it was as magical in every sense of that word for you is a really is a real gift of a thing there's plenty of people, I feel sure, that reached that gold medal. That just like the bloke that looked out at the earth for the first time, having done all of that work, <laughs> that got it, hear their national anthem, if they're being honest, go. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it, I would also like to say it's definitely a learned thing as well. So it is something that, with time, you look back on and realise much more how important that is. That's something Matthew Pinson once said to me. He said, you're, you're, "If you win an Olympic gold medal, you don't realise the importance of it at the time, but it's something that you learn to." To appreciate and that's most certainly happened um so yeah so that, that again everybody's olympic gold medal is very different in we will take your life. word for that greg <laughs> yeah. everybody's olympic gold medal rob i'm very conscious you have got to dash off you've got about two minutes i think to go and host um a classical music concert in aid of um, ukrainian oh, refugees yeah. which we, we wanted to talk about and we haven't even had the sorry. chance to because your story has been absolutely fascinating Thank you so much for sharing those experiences. It's been a really powerful conversation. I feel like I've had my own meditation just listening to you. It's been wonderful. Well, Thank you. It's been therapy for me. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Thank yes. you so much. Too. But it's been very dry. I'm sorry, your single malt didn't arrive in the end. Nothing arrived. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible. I reckon it's outside the door. So, mm. I reckon it's You can neck it on the way, maybe. I wanted, uh, I've got, well, we are. Um, I was about to say to you, sorry, I've had a very peculiar text message. <laughs> Worse when you look down, you know what I mean. You're like, oh, this is why you do exercise, you see. So you're yeah, not exactly. you're not distracted right. by your phone. I mean, you immediately, yeah, yeah. the best ones will go. Okay, that's fine. That's curable. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, um, yeah, no, it's been it's it's been a, a, a real delight. But I think really the the theme of it in terms of sport is what I do every day, and 
the thing that I want to share with anybody is whatever you do, delight in it mm. and be in the moment. Whether that's found this new cool dance class, I don't know why I'm yeah. looking over here. It's just, it's amazing. It's full of joy and the phone is off and it's great. Mm. And that's what's brought is and can do and the transformative, transportative capacity it has. More than just tawdry escapism of just watching telly or a film. Mm. It can be an entire drama in one moment if you're watching team sport, but if you're doing it for yourself, the that that the gifts that it brings are, you know, truly forever changing. It's great. Amazing. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. Support Ukraine. What a story to finish on from Raw Brenda. That stayed with me for days afterwards. I felt like I was in the desert with him. And it really just resonated with me because, as you know, I don't drink alcohol anymore. And I stopped six and a half years ago, just after my daughter was born. And since then, I've been a little bit obsessed with, I don't think I've ever even told you this. I've been, oh, no, I have. I told you about my breathwork stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I've been a little bit <clears throat> obsessed with um, finding this peace, this inner peace, this calm, this, as he was talking about, this orgasmic silence almost. But a natural euphoria like that is, to me, the dream, especially because I don't drink I don't take drugs you know so that to me is is like my nirvana that's what I'm always trying to achieve is that sort of stillness and peace that brings you right into yourself and right into the now have you ever had anything like that or do you, do you even know what it refers to I don't think in that context no and, that, and that's the thing I mean I, there's been moments of pure exhilaration and everything else and 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 everything coming together and it being incredible but like your think, olympic win yeah but i i think but that's definitely different and i appreciate that's different and it's it's fascinating i think for me obviously still there there's i'll find something that that becomes possibly because i think sport was was everything that was it so success and winning is where those moments it was mm. close to those moments but outside of that it's probably then finding that and and i mean I, i'd had that discussion not long after rob had gone through that which was really really interesting and i you always worry, don't you, when you've got a friend coming or whatever else and you're like, mm -hmm. have this expectation because I had this expectation that he would tell stories like that and it would be incredible. But then to watch not just yourself, but everybody in the room mm -hmm. during that, just sort of mouth open, sort of living it with him, that was really, really special. And and I'm thrilled to bits that he, he gave us that part of him, which is a, a incredibly deep and personal part. Um, and again, it just makes me want to then go and try and find it myself somehow. But I I don't know. It's a, it, it seems like such an interesting path to get there. I'm not even at the start of that, I don't think, yet. So it's maybe one day it will come. And, and I'm very excited about hopefully coming. Yeah, <laughs> what for a better word. Yeah, so. <laughs> well, because actually when we were chatting last summer, because we worked together in the Olympics and I was telling you about the breathwork that I do, and you keep saying to me, oh, send me one of your breathwork sessions or whatever. Yep. And I haven't done it yet. So no. I'll, try, I'll do that. You're just keeping it to yourself. I, uh, You're not allowing <laughs> me to find it. That's the thing. No, I want to spread that joy and it sounds odd. And maybe we'll get into it in another podcast when we get more time. Um, but it's something I'm, I became quite obsessive about because yep. I love, you know, you get one of those highs, you want to get them again. And when it's something as natural and, and harmless as, as your own breath, it's amazing. But I'll send you a link. Please do. Right, should we should we hold our, ourselves to this? I'll send you a link That's tonight. That's you. I mean, it's and I then you've got to try. It. No, you've got to try it. You've got to oh, do okay, it fine, and fine. put yourself into it okay. and let me know. It's a long Report drive home, maybe not me. on the way home. Not, on the, not when you're driving. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend it. Um, but yeah, I'm going to test you on that and see whether it's had any effect on you whatsoever. You might be like, you're absolutely well, you never, off your tree. But I think like, anybody listening or watching whatever else, you have to be open to trying mm. new things as well. And I hope that's what people are getting from different pods that we've had. It's been di directional changes or following you and whatever else, but being willing to try new things and search for that, as you sort of talk about that, that euphoria, that orgasmic moment. That's a really special thing, I think, to chase. And uh, it's, yeah, I think a lot of people get a lot from that. Yeah, absolutely. And you say you get it from winning. So let's see whether Greg had his moment once again. <laughs> well, we have to I feel so ridiculous in reducing rock, paper, scissors <laughs> as a thing, but it clearly is a thing now. What yeah, we, we have to mention as well very quickly that Rob, before, <laughs> wasn't exactly enamoured by the idea of playing rock, paper, scissors with us. Everybody else is really into it. That does say maybe a little bit about um, about us, maybe more than... Yeah, he said, really, you thought about this and that's what you came up with? <laughs> 
<laughs> but he went with it anyway. So it let's right. see whether he surprised himself, shall we? <laughs> This is the only bit to the podcast that we really care about, though, isn't it? It's all a build-up to this. Yeah, e everything right? before this point doesn't really matter <laughs> because Orla turns into the most competitive, aggressive human you've ever met. What do we have to met. do? Is it arm wrestling? No, no it's no. when we're it's, it's challenging. What is it? Rock, paper, scissors. That's what you came up with. <laughs> <laughs> I told you that's how you'd respond. That's exactly what I said would happen. So, but, but it's what we do. It's what we do. Gosh, and the great competitive buffet. <laughs> Did you see the great Orla and Rinda rock, paper, scissors war? I'm glad I tuned into that. It's, it's a massive How part. How did it take for you to blue sky <laughs> think that one? Okay, let's go. Uh, right, so we, it's a, it's a no three, pressure. It's a no guest has won yet. Yeah, not a single guest has won yet. Okay, ready? It's a three-way. It's a what? It's a three-way. Okay, now you've tricked me. <laughs> <laughs> Very so, clever, Greg. Yes, you knew what you were exactly. doing. He knows, he knows. Yes. So it's not like best of three for everybody. If you're out, you're out, okay? Yeah. Go yes. You've got to put your hand up. Uh, I've got to put my what? <laughs> yeah, hand up. My fan. <laughs> What's that a combination of? My fingers and hands. Yes, exactly. My yeah. hand. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I knew this would descend into vanity. Yeah. I knew okay, it would. Right, I said, literally, before yeah, we did, I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, ready? Yeah. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. I'm still out! <laughs> I thought I'd got you! <laughs> this is twice oh, now. I've fallen down the, the scissor, the scissor hole that you fell the down. The scissor hole. I've fallen, I've fallen down it. Yeah. Right, okay, go Bye. on, you two. Bye-bye. Right, right. Just pause. You need to clip because you're missing the camera here. It's what I was talking about earlier, that sort of wave. <laughs> It'll just flash for a millisecond. <laughs> There's a grave sense of loss if you didn't win. Correct. And he tries to displace it onto you me every all time. Win yet, you haven't seen all the win yet, She literally <laughs> jumps around. Okay. Right, okay, come on, come on, come on. Okay, okay you ready? ready? Yeah. Okay. Right. Oh. Okay, ready? ready? Yeah. Oh, she's won! <laughs> well done. That's subdued. You're now trying to show off to Rob. I'm an adult. That's that I'm a civilized human. The thing is, I'll Thank send, I'll send, I'll send Rob the, the videos of the other wins. And yours, and yours.